0: I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Now, if you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So it is the month of January 2023, uh, and once again, uh, it's just going to be you and I here for a solo review. Uh, and the film that I'm going to be reviewing here is part of, uh, I guess, what transformed into a uh, 2022 in-review month here at Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, so the last film I'm going to be reviewing here with you guys is uh, Barbarian, uh, of course, from the year 2022. And it's directed by one Zach Kreger. Um, this is a movie that uh, kind of similar uh, to last week's review of uh, Terrifier 2. Uh, we have another horror film that uh quite a lot of its success uh, can be attributed to just the the strength of its word of mouth reputation um this is a movie that uh very commonly the the way it's talked about is um you don't you don't want to spoil anything that goes down in this movie um it's a it's a film with many surprises um all of which I'm probably going to be spoiling here for you so in case you're not familiar with how we generally go about things here on Catching Up on Cinema, uh, we do tend to go full spoilers, but I do think it's very important to emphasize that part of the appeal of this movie, uh, part of its reputation, in fact, stems from its unpredictability. Um, it, it, it throws you for a loop several in, in several instances in the film, um, and it's never to its detriment. Uh, it's a very surprising film. Um, and an exceedingly well-made film, if you ask me. Actually, that was one of the things that appealed to me most, because um, unfortunately I, I do spend enough time online reading about movies that there, there are certain aspects of this film that I did in fact have spoiled for me ahead of time. Um, people on Twitter have loose fucking lips, I'll just say that much. And also, they're very keen on posting screen captures uh, that are altogether too easy Uh, to reverse engineer in your mind like if if you even if they're being vague and cryptic as to what movie it is they're they're citing a screen cap from i i i know color tones i i know general vibes of films pretty well so i'm pretty sure i've had at least one other major spoiler uh doled out to me uh simply by browsing on twitter um unfortunately for a movie that i uh I am very much looking forward to uh, that would be Jordan Peele's nope. Um, I hope I'm wrong, but I I think I'm not. Uh, Anyway, uh, speaking of Jordan Peele, though, uh, actually a good transition, Trevor. That's a that's a good pivot point here uh, to talk about uh, some of the behind the camera uh, talent involved in this film. So I did mention Jordan Peele. Uh, and the director of this film, Barbarian, just happens to be one, Zach Kreger, uh, who is not at all known to me. Um, I actually had to look him up, and I'm glad that I did, because interesting background on this fella. He's been a working actor for a few decades, actually. Um, he's 41 as of the time of recording. Um, but uh, I will point out, uh, that apparently he is known for being part of a uh, comedy troupe uh, called the whitest kids you know which uh, I mean that's a hell of a name so of course I've heard it um, I I know none of their work but of course I've heard the name I know they exist um, but what I'm trying to emphasize here uh, or what I'm trying to make a connection about is a uh, we're kind of in this fun little period in a uh, in horror cinema history where uh, a a lot of quality films are being brought to us from uh, either comedians like stand-up comics or comedic writers or comedic actors uh, in the form of Jordan Peele, uh, this Zack Kreger fella who I don't believe has worked in the the realm of horror before. Uh, He only has a few directing credits um, but this is most certainly his first foray into horror proper as far as I'm aware. Uh, but then you also have the, you know, David Gordon Green, uh, you know, largely known as a comedic filmmaker, uh, who's working shoulder to shoulder with Danny McBride, uh, also a comedic actor. Um, so it's really interesting to see this trend continue to play out where a, a lot of our better horror films seem to be coming from, uh, folks that generally are known for making us laugh. Um, there's probably something to that, um, Prompting a response from the audience uh, is, I, I imagine, a, a big part of the, the task uh, for any comedian. Um, so maybe maybe that's part of it. Um, also, a lot of comedians tend to be fucked up people. So maybe there's an element of darkness uh, that that they can bring to the table as well. I don't know. Uh, I'm just speculating. But very interesting. Um, anyway, uh, I'll actually cite the internet um for a a a plot summary for this film because uh this is actually kind of a uh, kind of a tricky one um to summarize uh at least if i'm you know trying to just do the surface level here so uh barbarian 2022 directed by zach Kreger. uh according to the googles uh a young woman discovers the rental home she booked is already occupied by a stranger Against her better judgment, she decides to spend the night but soon discovers there's a lot more to fear than just an unexpected house guest. Yeah, good job Google. That 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 sums it up pretty well and doesn't spoil much of the surprise, although I guess it uh Actually, that does kind of spoil things a little bit. So fuck you, Google. <laughs> like maybe don't point out that uh our like our arguably I guess the biggest name in the film Bill Skarsgård. Uh, is not the most dangerous thing in the film. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to go in totally blind, uh, I guess don't read the plot summary. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, let's let's start as I tend to start these things um, by talking about uh, the cast and crew. Um, this isn't going to provide as much material for me uh, as uh, previous solo reviews I've done uh, have, Largely because a lot of the people, there aren't that many people in the cast of this, uh, and a lot of them are not as well known to me. Um, So, Zach Kreger, as I said, uh, has a comedic background as both actor, uh, I believe writer, and director. Um, And this is his first major foray into horror. Um, As I said, I, I like full disclosure, I did enjoy this film. Um, apparently, uh, the, I'm just citing the Wikipedia here. Apparently, the inspiration for this film came from uh, Mr. Kreger uh, reading a nonfiction book called "The Gift of Fear: colon, Survival Signals That Protect Us from Violence." Uh, apparently, it is a, a a book that advocates for women to trust their intuition and not ignore subconscious red flags uh, that arise in their day-to-day interactions with men. Uh, so I, I guess that served as the jumping off point, uh, just, just the material and the, the lessons learned, uh, from, uh, ingesting the material of that book. Um, but then I guess the story goes, he kind of pulled a, uh, Sylvester Stallone and kind of just, like, locked himself in a room and pounded out a script. Uh, he describes the process as, uh, making continual attempts to surprise himself so i guess this is the lol random school of screenwriting um actually it was kind of interesting reading these couple of paragraphs here about his writing process because the movie is very well directed so like this this do, that doesn't factor in the the end product is, isn't affected by this but it's interesting that from a writing standpoint the the objective was to surprise himself and by extension surprise the viewer like it's me just being skeptical about it but i feel like that's that's a process or a trick that one should not repeat uh too often anyway um so yeah we'll we'll see how that works out for him in the future if he continues to do horror films but um like i said as a director though like writing aside the writing's actually pretty solid in this film but uh, as a director i'm convinced that this fella knows a thing or two about a thing or two and i'll, I'll get to what i'm talking about when i get there um but as far as uh, other cast and crew worth citing um our star uh is georgina campbell uh, who plays tess uh, that would be the woman from the plot description who uh, arrives at the Airbnb at the beginning of the film and serves as kind of our hero protagonist to some extent. Um, there's a lot of shared screen time in the film, and I'll get to what I mean by that in just a minute. But uh, she is an English actress, uh, so she is covering her accent uh, in this film. Um, I can, I think I can say uh, straight up, I don't think I've seen her in anything ...prior to having seen her in this film. Um, but I will point out that uh, she is a very prolific television actress in particular. Um, and I'm not talking like network television. I'm, I'm talking like the, the, the big streaming shows. Like she has an episode of Black Mirror under her belt. Um, among many, many other things. Uh, she's, she is a working fucking actress. She seems to be doing quite well for herself. And I thought she was quite good in this film... Uh, She displays a lot of dimension to her character, and uh, she really plays into a lot of the drama uh, going forward. But uh, as I said, probably the biggest name in the cast, at least in this moment, um, not not for all time, but uh, like in this current in current day, uh, Bill Skarsgård, who is featured in the trailers for the film, uh, plays Keith, uh, who is the fellow that answers the door uh, at the Airbnb when Tess arrives. Um, apparently he was, uh, largely cast by the producers of the film, uh, who apparently at least one of them, uh, at least one of the producers also worked on the, the pair of, uh, it films, the Stephen King's it films. Um, so they had a working relationship with Bill Skarsgård. Um, I don't know if he was anyone's first choice, but I will say straight up, uh, he was an excellent uh, choice uh, for this particular role, um, if only for the fact that uh, mainstream audiences, in particular, but you know, horror fans also um, will will carry will carry that that like typecasting reputation in like like it's kind of the the curse that comes with playing an iconic role like Pennywise the Clown is that peop- regardless of what you do after the fact some aspect of that is going to linger and, and follow you into your, into your roles, uh, going forward in your filmography. Uh, so in his case, I feel like it's like one spoiler alert, it, it's a red herring, um, that your, your primal brain kind of s- screams out like, Oh, he played, he played the scary clown in that, in those other movies. He's probably the bad guy. Um, so, like from a casting standpoint, it's a, it's a little bit of a wink to the audience. It's kind of setting you setting you up to be continually challenging your expectations going forward. Um, but I thought he was very very good in the film. Unfortunately, he doesn't have quite as much screen time uh, as as I would have liked. I mean, he makes his exit at a critical point in the film, so his 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 screen time is very very valuable. It's just unfortunately he was in the process of crafting a very affable screen screen presence and screen performance um, that I actually could have hung out with just a little bit longer, um, but him making his exit when when he does is kind of critical critical to the the overall structure of the film. So no argument there. Um, another major cast member is uh, Justin Long, uh, who is. I would not be surprised, given our director's uh, comedic background, uh, like comedic film acting background, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe he had some bump-ins, with, uh, some run-ins, rather, uh, with Justin Long uh, in the 2000s or something, because he was most certainly uh, doing a lot of those films around that time. Um, and also, Justin Long, uh, funny enough, is, a, is an actor who's also kind of, like he's i don't think he's dove in like both feet first into the, the realm of horror but he has done horror films in the past i mean it was a long time ago but um Jeepers Creepers uh he he was in the first one um and then uh i guess you could call Tusk a horror film uh, it's more of a horror emphasis on comedy i guess uh, it's more of an absurdity it's more of an absurd film than a horrific f- film um, but it's certainly tinged uh, with horror um so yeah he's also a multi multifaceted uh player in hollywood at least in terms of his uh acting credits uh justin long appears in this film uh exactly the moment bill skarsgård makes his, his exit um and it, it's a very very clever cut that happens there um his addition to the cast is a uh, very confusing uh, it's very jarring um but it also like, there's a reason why they cast him in particular, is because he, he has, he is an actor. He can do many things. I've seen him play, uh, handsome leading men. I've seen him play, uh, total fucking nerds, like in, a uh, Galaxy Quest and, uh, Dodgeball. Um, I mean, for fuck's sake, he was, uh, Britney Spears' boyfriend in that Crossroads movie or whatever. That, that was handsome Justin Long, and it's like... Uh, I forget what that movie was, but uh, the one with Jennifer Connelly. And it's it's one of those Love Actually type rom-coms where it's like a half dozen different pairings that you get to see the progression of the relationship in there. Anyway, he plays the handsome bartender guy in that movie, and he's supposed to be cool. So, like, Justin Long is multifaceted in that way. He can, he can play many characters, but he... I don't know, he, he kind of effortlessly plays a character that you you, you can kind of laugh at just a little bit, even when he's being cool. Like like he just has this kind of like goofy energy to him, um, and he most certainly brings that to this role, which actually ends up being a very complex character, uh, a very frustrating character in some ways. But um, because it's him, I feel like I feel like the, the content surrounding his character could be potentially overly frustrating and overly inflammatory for some for some audience members um but i think it was very clever of them to cast him because it make it soft it softens things just enough that it's easier to stomach um for i imagine most most people watching the movie um that's the majority of our cast um we also have uh, richard Brake uh, showing up uh, for a select few scenes in the film uh, he's of course uh rob zombie's favorite buddy uh, he shows up in a lot of his films but he's also a very talented character actor he showed up in a lot of interesting places over the years and <clears throat> goddamn uh he has a wonderful face for uh, horror cinema um just the the lines of his face are spectacular on film um not a guy that you would think of as like traditionally handsome by like like acting or Hollywood standards, but uh, you put him in front of the camera and uh, it loves him. Uh, the lens, the lenses and the lights love that man's face, um, and apparently directors do too because he's worked with a lot of good ones. um Funny enough, it looks like uh, Kate Bosworth has a, vo- a voice cameo in the film, uh, as does our director. Um, but uh, beyond that, that's kind of the extent of our cast. Everybody else just kind of like pops up for a scene or two, and they're not played by anybody that I have much of anything to say about. Uh, the last member of the cast that I do have to uh, point out, uh, though, uh, is probably the biggest spoiler in the film, uh, is the character of, quote, the mother, uh, who is portrayed by Matthew Patrick Davis, um, not an actor that is known to me. Um, but I did read an article about uh, the process of him uh, being made up for the film. So a lot of prosthetic appliances had to be put on him. Um, and apparently uh, he uh, <laughs> he he kind of got the role without even really knowing entirely what the role was. Um, so it was a little bit of an adventure for him. Uh, but I will say uh, he was well cast and uh, he performs the role quite ably. There's a couple of amazing shots of him that... I don't know if it's 100% him or if it falls to the cinematographer or the choreographer or the director, um, but there are a couple of astounding shots of this monstrous figure of the mother uh, realized on film that are, are really, really awesome to look at uh, to, the, to the extent that I really wish I'd, I had done what, what the true fans probably did and um, ran out to the theater uh, to go see this one. Um, because it did end up surprising me. It did end up being a very solidly constructed film, um, and I think going in 100% blind would have been a blast, Like especially with a good crowd or something. Uh, I don't go to the theater very often, and, and that's on me, uh, because in waiting so long to get around to watch these kinds of movies, I do end up losing a little something. They do lose a little bit of their luster just because of, uh, you know, spoilers being leaked on, on social media or, you know, just not being there for the moment or something. Um, but I'm not going to talk through this whole thing just because I did see it a few days ago. This is a solo review, so I am having to talk rapid fire uh, all by my lonesome. It's very difficult uh, to keep this momentum rolling. But, um I've been talking a lot about the the direction um, and the construction of the film as being things that I really appreciated, um, and the the first thing that that really jumped out at me, and it's from shot one in the film, is the cinematography. Um, it looks like a Zach Cooperstein or Cooperstein uh, is cited as the cinematographer the, for the film. Uh, I'll have to look into this as i'm talking like what his uh other credits might be but um holy shit uh there are some camera movements in particular in this film uh that i really enjoyed um so many so many of them felt very uh very organic um and heavily motivated that that's the that's the big thing um like what I mean when I say motivation—I don't even know if that's the, the correct terminology. I didn't go to fucking film school, in case you couldn't tell. But um, what I mean by motivation is—it's the difference between a camera movement that is inserted into a film, like like a like a dolly shot or something. It's it's the difference between a camera movement that exists purely for aesthetic purposes and camera movement that exists to assist in the storytelling Um, and there's quite a lot of camera movement in this film that really plays into characters thought processes and plays into the the overall choreography of the scene Um, i was really impressed by some of the shots in this film and what i mean by from shot one is there's a shot that it begins at just below street level or at street level so our first shot is like a a rainy exterior of the house of the airbnb that the majority of the story takes place in and then it rises up so like immediately symbolically our first shot is kind of signaling to us that oh you know what lies beneath um and it's kind of amazing actually that 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 theme Carries throughout the entirety of the film. Um, there's an ongoing theme of exteriors, of exterior appearances and impressions somehow being betrayed by actual intention or, or what lies beneath the surface. And like the, the most obvious aspect of this plays out immediately with the interaction between our, our quote two leads. So that be Georgina Campbell and Bill Skarsgård, um, that the Gift of Fear book um, that our director had read and cites as uh, inspiration for the construction of the screenplay. Um, you see many facets of that play out in the in the interaction between these two. Um, what's really fascinating about the behavior um, and the instincts of uh, the Tess character of Georgina Campbell's character is that she's kind of a, a rare horror protagonist that seems to do everything right. Like, like if you had like a checklist of all, of all the, all of the thoughts and all of the considerations that one would have in, in not just like reality, but like in a horror movie scenario, like if you were to be this person, if you were to have like a checklist of things to keep your eyes out for, or to be wary of she has the same list like the character has the same list as us the viewer and it's really kind of incredible to to see it all play out in real time where a lot of it is conveyed simply through the cinematography and the editing Uh, largely the editing honestly is is just we get these snapshots of factors that she's taking into consideration as she's As she's having this dialogue with this strange man who's in in the house that she is expecting to be staying at alone, Um, and it's really interesting to see her intelligently kind of like negotiate her way through the the series of events, and um, and then we get like a a demonstration of character and character depth in the form of her being kind like somewhat won over by him like like letting her guard down just slightly and and then after numerous instances of her carefully locking doors every time she uh, steps into a into a room that he's not in she always locks the door behind her and then their their first exchange together the first night together she forgets to lock the door because she was she you know she's human she was absent-minded in that moment because she let her guard down but uh, the cinematography like went like when she first comes into the house um it's actually kind of funny i i i didn't need this movie to have as many twists and turns as it did in order for it to be good um just the dynamic between these two actors and the way that the the camera and the editing serves as like a a third party in the dynamic between them was entertaining enough for me. I was just having a ball watching the shots um, and and seeing how the edit was playing out because I love the shot when she she walks into the room and the the focus shifts to, to like entirely her in the foreground and then we see Bill Skarsgård kind of moving around in the background. And again, it, it's it's almost like without her turning her head, this is the movie this is the the lensing of the film kind of fixating on the the point of interest behind her it's signaling to us that that's that's not only where our minds are at that's not just where we're looking that's where the character is looking uh with their with their mind like she's not turning her head but that's where her her mental focus is directed Uh, it was really cool to watch that play out and it was really cool to to see like the first chunk of the movie play out like like a horror tinged rom-com of sorts because the two of them do have decent chemistry. Uh, I did enjoy the, the evolution of their dynamic together. It was interesting to see him go from being like very standoffish to as soon as it becomes apparent that she, she might end up sticking around. Like he becomes overly friendly and like overly accommodating um, in a way that I, have to assume. I'm certainly guilty of this. You know, sometimes men do this. <laughs> like some, sometimes people do this. Is you you slip into these gender roles sometimes without realizing it. Like it it just happens. I'm sorry, <laughs> but it was interesting to see him overcompensate to such a degree that we, the viewer, actually start to become more suspicious of him. Um, but never does it feel artificial like like it never it never felt like the movie was jerking me around and and like just getting lazy with the scripting i don't know how much of their conversations were improvised um but i'll just say that the the dynamic between the two actors and the in the early goings in the film was was really was really warm it was really nice um and the the way the scenes were lit with them together um did a did a fine job of balancing that that kind of like intimate mood lighting with also a little bit of like a a sinister haze as well um that was that was pretty cool that they managed to toe that line pretty well um but kind of like the the first uh major development in the film is uh the the discovery of the basement um kind of the movie kind of turns into a, a mini escape room movie for just a second where uh, to Campbell's character accidentally locks herself in the basement, um, seemingly for, due to no fault of her own. It's, it's a, it's a shitty door. It, it likes to lock itself. It likes to shut behind you, but she gets locked in the basement and then she discovers that, oh, hey, there's a, there's a second basement in the basement. Uh, not only that, it's a hidden door that opens with, a just a a shitty rope that you you tug on and it activates a mechanism that opens a false wall in the basement that opens up into a tunnel um and then opens up into like at the end of that tunnel at the end of that hallway uh there's a a room that just has a a bed with no sheets uh, it has a bed frame and a bed with no sheets and a VHS camera or maybe it's an 8 millimeter camera I'm not positive I didn't quite check but um she discovers that and she's you know rightfully fearful <laughs> um and i it was actually kind of interesting there, there's uh, some neat tricks with the lighting here where um and this is just me pointing out this is me chris farley showing this where i'm just pointing out some highlights that i thought were neat um her character is in town by the way uh this uh this story takes place in detroit um apparently uh looking into the production details it looks like some of the film largely i have to imagine just b-roll like a lot of the moving vehicle shots we have of neighborhoods i want to say those shots are actually of the brightmoor neighborhood uh of the detroit area um but the majority of the film was shot in bulgaria i have to assume on sound stages um but yeah the story actually does take place in detroit Um, And she is in town because she is, um, I believe, looking into the the jazz scene um, and is seeking to uh, get involved in as a like a research coordinator or something for a documentary film. Uh, There's a documentary filmmaker who's uh, planning to start production in the area. uh, So she's actually here for like a job interview. Um, And. Long story short, what I'm trying to get to here is she does she makes herself a bounce board. Uh, She makes herself a little lighting rig uh, in the basement. And I thought it was neat that they kind of justified that by giving her like not she's not like a a gaffer or some shit, but like she does have a background in in filmmaking. Uh, So she's been on sets, presumably. Um, So she knows a thing or two about, you know, lighting a shot. Um, so it was kind of neat to see her like take a just a standing mirror and use it as like a, a bounce board for uh, for the overhead lighting uh, to illuminate the hallway. Um, but yeah, that's that's how she goes down the hall and, and kind of examines things. But um, she recruits Bill Skarsgård uh, to investigate with her. Um, actually, all she really wants is to to get out, kind of. Um, she also discovers there's an even deeper basement in there. Um, but it's interesting to, to see uh, the dynamic play out between the two characters where they're at this point where all she wants to do is leave. Like she barely wanted to go down that hallway, but to discover there's a secondary basement as well. Uh, her instinct is just, no, I don't need this. I, I'm going to get out of here. Hey, you're kind of a nice guy uh that seems kind of fucked up down there That seems kind of dangerous you should come with me um but something about uh curiosity or maybe a like a one of those dreaded gender role things where like maybe he feels that it's his quote masculine duty um to to brave the darkness and investigate on her behalf just because you know some primal instinct or something he'd he does say a couple of lines in their earlier interactions that like he, he was raised a certain way uh, to behave a certain way or regard women in a certain way. So it's like, clearly he's a very nice guy, but you know, he does like hold, he does have a certain image in his mind uh, as to like how one is to comport themselves around the opposite sex. So I don't know if that's an antiquated line of thinking, but that's just apparently how he was raised. But long story short, Uh, he does go down into, it's, it's straight up a dungeon, man. Like it's, it's like a, it's almost like a mine. Like it's a series of tunnels, like a network of tunnels that have been dug, dug out in the secondary basement of this house. And he does go down there and, uh, she doesn't want to, uh, but she does hear him down there and she goes to follow. Um, and, uh, the cinematography and the lighting, uh, in the tunnel sequences was excellent um darkness is one of those things that uh, i don't care who you are uh if you put someone in it with with like the right degree of silence not like complete silence but just like if you like coordinate the sound like the soundtrack of your film just right uh, and you put someone in a mildly claustrophobic space with very little light for long enough um Nothing, nothing actually has to happen. But guess what? You're you are going to set people up to be fucking scared, um, and uh, it was very effective, and it it looks fantastic. They give you just enough visual information that you're you're never like hurting for anything. Um, the The stillness of this movie is much appreciated. There aren't a lot of quick cuts. Uh, there's a lot of long tracking shots. They're they're very very welcome uh in in this sort of film Uh, i really appreciate the the overall energy of the production but um they do a good job of lighting these tunnel sequences in a largely believable way Um, and also like the use of subtle dutch angles and whatnot when people are descending staircases uh, it really gives it an eerie like otherworldly vibe uh, that is very much appreciated um but other main thing that I noticed in, in the tunnel sequences that was really neat was the uh, uh, the landmarks that they place. Because I have to imagine that the way they designed these sets was probably, you know, like, like a handful of interchangeable components that you can shuffle around as need be for whatever part of, of the tunnels that you're supposed to be shooting in at any given time. Um, but they do a fantastic job of uh, providing you with, with landmarks in the tunnels so that you really, really come to understand the geography. Like, like you actually come to understand where things are, like, oriented in regards to one another. Like, uh, the one thing that jumped out at me was uh, when Tess, towards the end of the film, is running out of the tunnels, uh, There's there's a room... Uh, There's there's a room with a light source coming out of it um, that we actually cut from, like, a, a shot of her running down the tunnel to a shot from inside that lighted area, like, watching her run past. And it's kind of to remind you that it's like, yeah, she passed that room because that's the signal, that's the visual cue to us, the viewer, that she's almost out of the tunnels, um, and they they do that with several different landmarks. There's a there's a there's a gate. Uh, there's a series of cages. Uh, there's what I call the purple room where there's a television playing. So it never feels like it's just blank tunnels. Like you go th- there's enough repetition that you go through enough times and it's like oh I actually know what's suppo- what the next landmark is supposed to be. Um, and it's stuff like that that sometimes can be easily overlooked. Uh, but they do a great job of teaching you through repetition where everything is situated and um, there's small things like watching spoiler alert uh, Justin Long run through the tunnels and kind of take all sorts of twists and turns all willy-nilly that's the kind of stuff that makes myself and I imagine a lot of viewers very anxious uh, because previously whenever we'd been wandering in this space we were doing it very methodically and we had the opportunity to take in the visual information to take in those landmarks but when he when he just takes off running and starts taking turns just on a whim it's like whoa uh now now i'm now i am disoriented and guess what the movie knows that because he is too Uh, so that's that's the visual language of the film really like the the movement of the camera and the movement of the characters kind of like playing into each other the edit flowing very smoothly um but yeah uh the the major turning point that happens here uh is that she does find bill skarsgård down in the tunnels um and he's rambling about uh we can't go back the way you came and she's saying but that's the way out and he tells her no we can't go back the way you you came something bit me or someone bit me and he, in contrast to his largely, you know, confident self, mind you, Bill Skarsgård is not like a, a burly fucking guy, but he's pretty tall, especially by Hollywood standards. Like he's he's a large human being for the most part. Um, and, you know, if he if he wants to project confidence, uh, he he can. Like I've seen him do it in films before Um and he largely has been doing that in this film up to this point, but here he is on his hands and knees muttering about something having bitten him and he seems all out of sorts. Um, but before, uh, us, the viewer or, you know, any of the characters really can can get their wits about them, uh, (laughs) a very large, very naked, uh, female creature, uh, humanoid creature, um, charges out from the darkness, uh, from, from the direction that Bill Skarsgård had, had crawled into the scene from, uh, and uh, tackles Bill Skarsgård and proceeds to bash his head against uh, the wall. Um, he is, his face is so covered in uh, blood and, and, I presume, gore, uh, to the point that a lot of the details of the gore and of the violence are somewhat obscured, uh, but it's pretty fucking clear that a a rubberized human head is is being bashed against a a rocky surface and uh presumably is cracked open um it's not the most horrific death you'll see in cinema um but in the theater oh my god i'm sure this was a blast like this this was just like a holy shit moment (laughs) what the fuck is that um because yeah a very large very naked female humanoid creature runs out from the darkness and uh, before you even know before you even know it really um the person who's was being set up to be like the top build person probably and you know a charismatic screen presence is <laughs> is borderline depacketed on screen um and then the the scene abruptly snaps to black um, when this uh female creature aka the mother uh, bellows in the face of uh, Georgina Campbell's character Tess, uh, and we snap to black. And then, oh hey, we're driving down the coast. Uh, I presume of California. Uh, uh, yeah, presumably Southern California. Uh, following Justin Long singing along to the radio uh, in his convertible. Uh, it is quite the cut. Like as far as edit gags go, it ain't half bad. Uh, I'm a huge fan of. Uh, film editing being used as a vehicle uh for for comedy um and this this was not half bad uh there's a better there's probably a better one or like later in the film but this is this is pretty solid um but thus begins the the Justin Long saga of the film um which I'm not going to you know go beat for beat about it but basically the gist of his character is uh it's a uh, pretty complex actually he is a character he's an actor actually he's, so he's an actor playing an actor uh that apparently just filmed a pilot for a television show and one of his co-stars uh has kind of decided to publicly out him as uh having potentially raped her or at the very least uh like sexually abused her to some degree um the word rape is, in fact, used in the film. Um, and uh, his reaction to it is, I think, what any hu- any rational human being's reaction to it would be. Um, so he actually gets a call from, I believe it's uh, the studio agents, and they tell him, hey, uh, you lost your pilot, um, and you might want to get your affairs in order because uh, you may have legal troubles uh, ahead. Um, and kind of the, the gist of his character is... Um, it's very bluntly hammered home in the, in the closing minutes of the film. Um, and actually it didn't bother me that much. Like I'm not, I'm not judging the film. I actually didn't mind it. It is super fucking blunt. Um, it is, it's a little ham fisted, but I actually didn't mind it. Um, kind of his story is that he, he, and he expresses these thoughts out loud in the film. Like he's thinking out loud at that point in the film towards the end. Um, but he's, basically a person who he very likely did he very likely did rape this woman uh he he did he mistreated her in some way i I don't know to what extent but he did bad like he did wrong um and he is continually finding ways to justify his own actions to himself i think the way he refers to it is um i'm I might just be a, a good guy who did a bad thing, um, and that very well may be true. But it doesn't change the fact that he did the bad thing, and that's kind of the the core conflict of this character. Um, and where I, that's kind of what I was alluding to when I said the casting of Justin Long softens softens this material somewhat, because this is stuff that, like, this is stuff that, like, if not myself. Um, but if you include this sort of material in, in certain stories for certain people, that's like an instant turnoff. Like, like like, it's just not, it's just not a good thing, uh, to be explored by, by anybody in film. Um, but to have it played by, by this Justin Long character and to have so much other stuff going on in the film, I feel like it makes it slightly more palatable. Um, but Basically, what what we learned in a roundabout fashion here by doing this hard cut away from the Georgina Campbell character and the Bill Skarsgård character's situation at the Airbnb, uh, what we discover is that Justin Long's character, A.J. A. Gilbride, by the way, uh, the sitcom actor, um, he is actually the person who owns the Airbnb. And apparently whatever agencies are handling the renting of it Uh, are very inattentive and kind of suck at their jobs. Um, And he's been a totally hands-off owner uh, when it comes to the property management and whatnot. Um, But he actually comes to the property at this point in the film uh, with the intent of, I guess, inspecting um, and cleaning up and preparing to sell uh, the property Um, only to discover, you know, an entire day later, essentially, (laughs) Uh, the basement that everybody else in the film has discovered now the comedy and the uh the comedic edit that i mentioned earlier um comes in the form of him uh discovering the basement um and the <laughs> and then uh quickly googling uh if underground square footage can be included as like above ground square foot so if you were if you're looking to sell this this property could you include the underground square footage as part of the sale? Um, and he finds some language on Google that suggests you can. I don't know if that's true, um, but the comedy comes in the form of him busting out a tape measure and proceeding into <laughs> kind, of, kind of like blithely proceeding into the, the basement and the, and the secondary basement and the fucking tunnels with like gleefully like measuring out the square footage and probably just like, counting the dollar signs in his head for what this could potentially net him um just the sight of him measuring out a a grimy uh saw-esque trap room in in this basement like measuring it with a tape measure in his very Justin long way that that was that was pretty funny like like it it, nice moment of levity in a movie that actually has a decent amount of it um But the the next act of the film comes in the form of him also running afoul of the mother creature. Um, And he ends up in like a a cell, like a dungeon cell. Like it's a pit, essentially, with the Georgina Campbell character. So we discover, oh, hey, she's alive. And I believe a hard cut happens here where she shushes him. Um, And the next departure we make from the standard... Uh, narrative, the the straightforward narrative of the film, uh, is Richard Brake's chapter. And it's it's a brief one, um, but his is uh, mighty fucked up, um, and the cinematography during his scenes was very interesting. Uh, a lot of it's shot from... It, it almost feels like, I hate to say this, but uh, it feels a little bit like a third-person video game, uh, if you've ever played one of those. Hopefully you have. There's a lot of them. They're very good. Um, because camera something about the lensing it has almost like a a fisheye effect on on the edges of the frame um but not only that the camera is situated roughly at his eye line like roughly at his eye height like most of his most of his scenes if not all of them are shot from his eye height and largely behind him but if he turns around he does face the camera from time to time but the main thing is it has this like floaty Ethereal kind of vibe to it, and it has the slightly rounded like fisheye effect on the edges um and he's a pretty tall like kind of lanky fella, so to have the camera suspended that high off the ground with that rounded edge effect it, it's very interesting um and not only that like his his movements are are very he moves at a particular pace it's it's almost glacial, so he just kind of like glides through all of his scenes and not only that. His scenes take place in uh, Reagan's America. We hear that on the news, uh, so I don't know exactly what year that would be, but you know, I presume early '80s, late '80s, somewhere around there. Um, but what, whenever it was, it's when Detroit was not doing so hot. Um, presumably at the outset of that, because his neighbor, his neighborhood looks nice when we see it, but it's about to go bad. Um, but we just kind of spend an afternoon with richard brake and we discover that um initially when we see him because it's <laughs> because it's richard brake in a horror movie and because the cinematography is so wonky during his sequence uh we know something is up with this guy but he he goes to uh the grocery store and he's kind of like he he's not a social individual <laughs> like he seems a little creepy just by default but uh nobody seems to pick up on it I did mention that like one of the major themes of the film is like the discrepancy between exterior appearances and impressions and what's actually going on inside. Um, he's he's wandering the aisles of a grocery store asking for like things that you would need to take care of a baby, um, and he he gets all of his supplies and uh, there is a there is some nice use of uh, props. Uh, that do find themselves explained to us uh, later on in the film. Um, I'm reaching for examples at the moment, but the one that jumped out at me was uh, there's a, I did mention that there's the purple room uh, in the dungeon uh, that is playing a, a VHS tape on a TV, just seemingly on a loop. Um, it's the only form of entertainment this uh, this mother character apparently has. Um, we actually see him get that tape like get that uh it's a like a maternal instructional uh, video uh, for new mothers um it's given to him by the woman at the grocery store um and then we see him uh, pack up his car and we have we have this really neat match cut where they set up a camera rig inside his car that uh, they use the same angle uh, for two different locations so we see him and then there's far off in the distance, like across the street, there's a woman getting out of her car and we see him look over at her. And then he starts kind of stalking her, like by driving alongside her, but across the street. Um, and then there's this hard cut, but it's from the exact same angle, uh, in his passenger seat looking across him and through his, through his window in his car. And then we see that he followed her home. Um, and, a uh, long story short, uh, he puts on a, uh, an electrician's uniform or like a boiler suit and just bullshits his way into her, her home, uh, by saying like, Hey, there's a local inspection going on. I got, I got to poke around here. And again, because he fits the profile, because he looks the part and he seems to have a justifiable reason for doing what he's doing. She lets him in and very clever. They don't really show us anything, but they show us all we need to know. Um, he, he goes directly into like her, her bathroom. Um, and then there's a, there's a window, uh, that faces the exterior. The, like it, it's, it's, a way in and out of the home essentially. And he just unlocks it and then immediately leaves. Um, because that's literally the only reason he's here is not to do anything today, but clearly to do something that night or something. Um, so yeah, uh, it doesn't take a genius to figure out that, oh, Hey, uh, he's, uh, he's looking to break into this woman's home and do do bad things. Um we do learn later on that he is he's doing some uh Scott Lang or Stephen Lang, excuse me. I had Ant-Man on the brain for some reason. He's doing some Stephen Lang shit uh from Don't Breathe. Um he is abducting women and uh in, in making inbred babies with them. Yeah, I this is what happens when you write to surprise yourself and by extension the viewer. Uh, he is abducting women, having babies with them, and then years down the line, presumably, having babies with those babies, um, which leads to the creation of the mother. I have to assume that from a thematic standpoint, this is something to do with generational trauma. Um, I wasn't able to suss out like a, a heavy, deep meaning behind that, but maybe I'll figure something out by the time we get to the end of this talk here. But, um, yeah, uh, so that is how the mother came to be is she is in fact one of his inbred offspring. And, uh, we have some, uh, goopy moments in the form of her trying to, uh, feed a bottle, uh, to Justin Long and Georgina Campbell. Uh, she gets rightly pissed. Uh, righteously pissed rather, um, when Justin Long refuses it. And Georgina Campbell keeps trying to tell him that, uh, you know, if you just do what she says, like she hasn't killed me, it's been at least a day. Um, you'd probably be okay, but he just won't do it. So she, the, the mother drags him off, uh, and decides to feed him straight from the teat, uh, in the purple room. And, uh, meanwhile, Georgina Campbell kind of makes her way out of, out of the dungeon um, and we have a sequence where she actually does escape, um, and has to walk her way out of the uh, derelict neighborhood um, and find the police to find the police, and then because of combination of her appearance and her uh, quote insane ramblings uh, about a creature being or being abducted and held captive in a dungeon in the basement of a home uh, in a scary neighborhood. Um, the police are completely uninterested in doing anything about it. Um, I feel like there's some social commentary going on here. Um, again, though, I th- the main theme that jumped out at me is is about uh, the again the ex- exteriors and interiors. So we have a, a young woman who we've seen both like made up for for. Uh, We've Well, I mean, we've seen her standing in the rain, but we've also seen her made up uh, for a job interview. Uh, and now we see her covered in, in muck and grime, uh, kind of not hysterical, but a little freaked out. <laughs> She's a little bit freaked out. And because the cops see just that, because they never had an opportunity to see her. You know as she normally would appear is because she appears to be an an, quote insane rambling person they disregard her Uh, they believe her to be crying wolf Um, and sure enough uh, she brings them to the house and uh nothing comes of it Uh, they don't they don't stick around they don't help they don't they don't go in the house either uh, because there's from their perspective there's no justifiable reason to By the way, I think when she makes her initial escape is where we get a a wonderful shot of the mother, um, where she escapes through the basement window uh, that Bill Skarsgård had had, uh, helped her out of before. Um, And... As she's escaping, the mother actually like, reaches out to her and we get this, this lovely shot pulling back as, as the mother's pulling away. And the, the movement of both the figure on the screen and the, mo- and the movement of the camera um, in sync with one another is really cool looking. Like, like, I don't know how, much, how many takes that took to achieve, but it looks really cool. And it, it's also really neat getting you know one of the few instances we get to see the thing uh, in decent lighting but it's only for a couple of frames. Uh, it's really effective. And also, uh, there's a character that I didn't mention. Uh, there's a, I, uh, a, a homeless fella uh, that charges down the street earlier uh, at Regina Campbell screaming, Hey, little girl! Or, hey, girl! And he's in a full sprint. Um, and she, you know, only seeing that, just seeing a strange man shouting at the top of his lungs, Hey, girl! Um, she runs away from him and locks the door behind her without hearing out anything he has to say but uh, if she had listened all he was saying was come out of that house which again though like only having that information strange man screaming at me telling me to come out of the house no absolutely not but what we learn later and in fact he uh, it's at this point um, he actually pulls her from the basement window and if he hadn't been there the mother would have grabbed her Uh, he saved her and it's because he had information that she didn't Uh, he he knew about the the crazy female creature in the basement Uh, he knew about her because apparently she comes out at night and she does occasionally abduct people Um, so he was trying to warn her Uh, but again because she only had an, an exterior base of knowledge because she just had that first impression to work from she couldn't possibly know that he didn't have any ill intent. He was trying to help her. Um, but anyway, uh, I believe it's around this time that um, Justin Long also manages to escape. Uh, I believe it's because the mother took off to go after her. Um, so he escapes and he goes he finds another room uh in in the in the tunnel area. And he discovers that Richard Brake is, in fact, still alive, albeit very old and very sickly. Um, he is uh, bedridden in the extreme. Um, and <laughs> he looks like he just wants uh, some, some I don't know, Mountain Dew or something. Uh, he keeps asking for things. But uh, long story short, Justin Long discovers that, oh, Richard Brake, he discovers Richard Brake's collection of uh, VHS tapes. Uh, which all have interesting labels some of them have women's names on them others just have really rudimentary descriptions of a person like like crooked nose or fo- like wally eye and stuff like that um, so it shows he's not really thinking of these women as women they're they're playthings from his standpoint like they're they're not quite human uh from his from his perspective. But we never actually see the footage from the tapes. I don't think we needed to. Um but Justin Long's reaction to it suggests it's not good. because uh, he's he's very he's very upset with, with Richard Brake, uh who uh obtains a pistol, uh it's a revolver that uh Justin Long kinda helps him retrieve, by the way. Um and Richard Brake shoots himself. Um presumably because I <laughs> because he's bedridden i have to assume that the mother has been caring for him uh probably not that well <laughs> um we do see that she shies away from that room it's actually one of the cooler shots of of the mother where um as justin long is is uh, fleeing from from her we get a shot kind of from his pov where he's holding up his uh his light and from the darkness emerges this creature um we, and it's it's a head to toe shot and the darkness is so pristine that like when the thing comes out of it, it it's it's like it just it just manifests from the darkness it's very hard for me to actually explain what it looks like but it's it's one of those things that you don't often see like you you imagine it all the time but I can't actually think of too many instances where I've actually seen that happen in front of my eyes where I was looking dead ahead and then from from where there was nothing suddenly something just zoop, just appears it like just manifests uh, it's very cool uh the 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 movement speed of of the actor of the mother um in coordination with the lighting is is very cool there um but we do see she like shies away from the room uh so she's like she you know shows deference uh to richard brake's character even though he's a uh, I don't know, bedridden and presumably being cared for by her. Um, but him, I don't, I, I'm not positive if his, his, uh, deciding to self terminate, um, comes as a result of being discovered by, by an outsider like Justin Long or simply just him taking advantage of the fact that, oh, that pistol that I physically was unable to get to for presumably many, many years, uh, this idiot just, like move the nightstand close enough for me to get to it i think i'm gonna peace out because this is not a way to live so i I don't know exactly what the motivation was i assume it's because his life has really sucked living underground for however long he has been so he just decided to end it um anyway he executes himself and justin long takes the revolver um just in time uh to accidentally shoot georgina campbell um and again exteriors uh, it's really neat the way they handle this because georgina campbell um is shown to be like fiercely not not loyal but uh, she has like a guilty conscience she can't in good conscience leave like escape knowing full well that someone else is suffering um so she is determined to go back and try to help him uh, so she goes back down into the into the tunnels and the way they they convey her being shot by Justin Long is really cool because it's from her perspective, and we just see this little white orb just kind of, like, dancing in the darkness, and then we just see a a brief flash and hear a pop, and she hits the ground. Um, And, again, from from Justin Long's perspective, all he would have seen is probably, at the very least, like at most rather uh, like the silhouette of a human of a humanoid figure he he didn't have enough information so he pulled the trigger and look what happened he shot the wrong fucking person um and of course he's apologetic and they they escape together um and then the last act of the movie uh plays out where they um by the way she hit the mother with her car uh she drives a jeep i believe that yeah that's how she gets into the that's how she goes down to save him is the mother actually charges out because it's now nighttime and she apparently only comes out at night. They only come, <laughs> they mostly come out at night. Mostly. Um, uh, she, uh, she hits the mother with her Jeep and pins her to the, the exterior of the and B, and B and B, um, and to like, to be presumed dead spoiler, not quite dead. Um, and yeah, that's how she manages to get underground, uh, free of being accosted by the mother. Um, then she gets shot for her troubles. Um, but yeah, the pair, they escape. Um, and then she's gut shot. Like, it's not quite the gut. It's, it's more like in the flank. Uh, presumably didn't hit any major organs or anything, but she's injured. Um, so they don't really have a way to get out of here. So they have to hang out in the neighborhood and uh, hopefully nurse her back to health. Uh, so she goes to pay a visit to the homeless fellow who had helped her earlier he does tell her that he lives over by the water tower uh, so they go there together and we have this really funny uh, horror movie moment or slasher movie moment where uh they're sitting like by a fire barrel by by like a fire barrel or something and uh this is where justin long has his uh it's not a soliloquy but like he does have like a he does like take the spotlight for a minute and the camera actually like zooms up into his face as he's thinking out loud and he keeps referring to like he's he's speaking in like kind of elliptical terms here where he's he's saying like i i did a bad thing i need i need to fix it um and on the exterior uh, he is referring to having shot her, but we the viewer, having followed his story for quite some time, are aware that he's also referring to he's mostly referring to uh the the rape <laughs> that that you know started his character arc um and we see that he's he has not grown all that much um he's he's he does have a willingness to to fix things, but he has no idea how um and he has no ability to take responsibility. Um, that's kind of what we learn here. But we have this this horror movie moment where the homeless guy is telling them, like, "Oh yeah," like he they, he basically tells our pair of characters everything that we know up to this point that the mother is the product of like incest on a massive scale, um, and uh, or inbreeding rather on a massive scale and then he's like oh yeah i've been here for years like she'd never come in here before and then of course as soon as he says like she can't get in here boom she knocks down the wall and she gets in there uh and i believe she tears that homeless man's arm off and beats him to death with it uh guyver style i kind of appreciated that that was kind of cool and the comedic timing behind that was pretty fun Uh, but then it turns into a big old chase uh, where justin long and uh, georgina campbell run away they run up the water tower justin long tries to pull out the revolver he drops it because of course he drops it um, and uh we get this crazy fucking moment though where the mother is ascending the stairs following them to the top of the water tower and justin long just like is talking to himself kind of but then it, he kind of turns his attention to georgina campbell who is of course shot and injured at this point and he says we can't escape. I think it's like, we can't escape, but I can. And he grabs her by the hair and he tosses her off the water tower. Uh, and we have this bizarre sequence that it's maybe the only instance of any, any inkling of, of jank in the entire film. But we have this, this shot like this Hans Gruber shot of a uh, Georgina Campbell falling off the water tower. It's not a, it's not very convincing, But then we get a shot from her POV of the mother diving headlong, arms outstretched, down at her. And then I think we cut to black. And we discover that apparently the mother gained enough velocity to cradle her in midair, turn over, and then take the brunt of the impact on her back so Georgina Campbell would land on her chest. So the mother caught her in midair and cushioned her fall much in the way batman would do although there's no car for the mother to fall on so they hit this fucking street and there's a lot of blood on the pavement (laughs) um but yeah uh justin long goes down uh to investigate um revolver in hand um i presume he plans on executing the mother he doesn't quite get there though spoiler alert um and he is kind of trying to help georgina campbell to her feet and he's muttering to himself and i i i'm struggling to remember the exact words expressed here but it was pivotal like it was, it was very important um because he's kind of thinking out loud and he's repeating the same mistake that he was just making at the campfire is that he he is justifying his actions like he's failing to take accountability for the objectively bad thing that he just did so like he in rapid succession he goes from acknowledging to denying so he goes from like admitting like oh like it well it's not even that he's kind of just kind of trying to spin the situation to to fit his his vision of reality that he needs to hold on to in order to, in order to carry on uh, in in order to not be the the bad guy in the narrative that is his life um so what i mean by that is he he kind of chocks it he, he at one point i think i caught him saying like you you were you were slipping or like you 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 were falling on your own like i i didn't do it like i didn't actually do anything <laughs> like it gets to that point where it goes from i didn't have any choice to oh, but you were falling anyway, <laughs> and it it's such a strong like just like blunt parallel to everything that we know happened uh, with his uh, actress associate at the beginning of his story, uh, because I didn't mention it, but we do get a scene with him after probably having several drinks uh, with like one of his neighborhood friends. Uh, who's asking him for like the inside scoop like like if man to man friend to friend what actually happened with that woman that i'm hearing about on the news uh and he tells him basically like very similar to to what we just saw here with him throwing her off the off the water tower that um he he's talking around what happened but clearly some bounds were overstepped some things happened that not everybody was on board with um, but he's not ready to acknowledge the wrongdoing on his part. Um, so in in the midst of this, like in the, in his final moments in the film, we see, oh, he didn't learn anything. He's still a piece of shit. Well, I guess it's OK if something bad happens to him, because, you know, that that's what should happen at this point. So sure enough, the mother springs to life and uh, picks him up and jabs her thumbs into his eyes Uh, we do get some eye goop we do get some eye goop coming out of these eye sockets always appreciate you don't always get eye goop in your horror films uh eye trauma is fairly common but in most instances they do it the cheap way where it's just you know somebody pushing a couple of bladders or something that are placed on top of like placed behind the person's thumbs or something and just like blood oozes down but no this is like aqueous humor like this is this is i goop um and then uh just for funsies uh, we get a shot from behind his head where the mother tears his head in half uh, much like you tear like a a loaf of hawaiian sweetbread uh down the middle Uh, mm, i want some now Uh, (laughs) but yeah his head gets torn in half so he is very dead um and then uh the the final moments of the film are the mother attempting to uh attend to georgina campbell who can't get up like she's she's hurt um and she keeps like making noises whenever the mother tries to pick her up um and clearly the mother is just expressing nothing but affection like as scary as the appearance of this creature is or this person excuse me um they actually don't mean her any harm like her specifically like that guy that guy who like threw the two of them off the roof it, it, fuck that guy, but but her no beef, no beef um and Georgina Campbell ends up taking advantage of this and uh executes the mother by placing the revol- like retrieving the revolver and shooting her uh I think it's like in the sinus cavity, not not like the temple or anything, it's just like just under the eyeball. Um, and yeah like snap to black and credits as soon as the pop goes off Uh, and then we get a bizarre ending sequence where uh, we're cutting back and forth between uh, production credits like slides of production credits and a few seconds of footage of her uh, getting up to her feet and walking down the street and that's kind of it like like it the last shot of the movie is just her shuffling down the street and then we cut to the credits as the song continues to play very strange ending i'm not entirely like i i got clearly i got a lot of themes out of this film there's a lot of layers to what's going on um but yeah i'm not entirely sure what the final moments of the film were supposed to symbolize or what it was supposed to mean uh for this character uh, her, her journey I felt wasn't as uh, I guess I, I, it wasn't as 100% digestible or, or understood on my part but very strong performance though regardless of the writing behind the character but I really enjoyed Barbarian um, I, I feel like talking uh, to myself with myself about this wasn't wasn't the ideal way to talk about this movie because there's, there's a lot going on um and it, the the way it's put together it's very slickly constructed is uh something that i i'm struggling to articulate but i i, I hope i got some of it out uh, in a coherent manner <laughs> over the course of this hour or so um but yeah really wonderful cinematography and uh editing in particular um I, some of the some of the shots uh jumping around like like uh focusing on objects uh either left behind or uh discarded at key moments in the film uh really fun to me uh stuff like that is the kind of stuff that i would probably do uh, in movies that i would make um just because that's a lot of times how my thought process works that's a lot of a lot of how my own brain and how my own memory works is i'll i'll I, I think in terms of snapshots and it was really interesting to see like sets of keys or like bottles of wine or like cups of tea left around the room, just have entire shots dedicated to them. Um, and, and it's so, it's so understandable. Like it's so easily understood on the part of the viewer, what, what that, that lingering shot of that object is meant to mean. Um, really interesting. Like I, I can't emphasize enough how, uh, how much the filmmaking uh, expressed in this film was very very surprising very very confident um a lot a lot of visual storytelling and a lot of quieter moments uh that i thought worked out very well and one thing that i haven't talked about at all um that i'm not going to talk about at length but i do feel like it needs to be shouted out was the score for the film uh it's by anna drubich or or drubich i'm not uh, <laughs> drubich <Drew> <laughs> uh, i'm not sure uh how it's pronounced but um the score for the movie is really fun because uh it does have that (laughs) that contemporary uh horror synth vibe that uh that i i i bitch and moan about all the time it's not bad though i actually really like the score for this film what what i really liked about it was the way it was utilized um it's utilized brilliantly in concert with the camera movements and with the editing. It's very minimalist. It only flares, like the score only flares up a handful of times in the movie. Um, and it's always heavily motivated. Like it always shows up in the moments where you need it to, where it's like, oh, dread, ooh, ominous. And then subtle things like just matching the movements of the character on the screen or matching the camera movements. Like it, it really feels like departments were talking to each other. And I love to see that because like film is a very collaborative process. Um, And that's, that's when you get the the most brilliant work is when, is when it's all, everything's working in concert. Um, So look out for those moments uh, when you, whenever you get around to watching this or if, if you rewatch it or something Uh, because yeah, the, the communication going on, like the, the, the back and forth between the the soundtrack for the film and the and the movement of the film the, the motion of it and the visuals it's really cool anyway i've been rambling i'm pretty sure this is a completely botched episode but uh fuck off i tried my best that being said uh this has been uh my solo review of uh zach kreger's uh barbarian uh, from the year 2022 uh, so that wraps up uh, january uh, for us here at catching up on cinema but um, in the meantime if you'd like to catch up on any of our uh, other catching up on cinema content you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, you can also find us on the social medias in the form of the instagram at catching up on cinema as well as the twitter at catching cinema so feel free to hit me up at either of those uh, and the podcast is available on pretty much every platform you can imagine including BitCade. So fucking Google it. That being said, thank you so much for listening and we will catch you next time.